So <clears throat> that was Dr. Reggie Gold, another one of the chiropractic pioneers. How many guys have ever heard of Reggie Gold? Oh, more people here. Good. That's good. <clears throat> Reggie was another one of those life changers that, unfortunately, you guys will probably never get a chance to actually meet if you haven't already. Uh, he passed away a number of years ago. Um, he was 90-something, and he, you know what was really amazing is the first time I heard Reggie uh, Gold, I can't remember if it was at DU in the beginnings, one of those two, and I heard him speak probably 20 or 30 times throughout the course of a bunch of years, and pretty much he said the same thing over and over and over again. Like, his message didn't change a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and he said that. If you ever went to his talks to chiropractors, he would say, don't expect a whole lot of new stuff from me because I'm not into new stuff. I'm into telling you the same thing until you all get it. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite uh, st stories um, that Reggie used to talk about is the story called The Valley of the Blind. Have you guys ever heard of that one? The Valley of the Blind. Okay, good. So The Valley of the Blind originally was a story, a short story written by, um, uh, let's see, who was it? Wells. It was written by H.G. Wells. Uh, War of the Worlds, right? Same guy. So he wrote this short story, uh, and Reggie uh, decided to put a little chiropractic twist on it, as he usually did with everything. So the Valley of the Blind goes like this. One day there was some mountain climber, and he was climbing up this uh, huge mountain with some of his friends. And um, somehow or other, there was this huge storm that came in, and uh, he fell off the mountain, and way, the wind like propelled him down the other side, and his friends thought he was dead because they couldn't see him, and they couldn't reach him or anything. So they kind of, they unfortunately left him, and, and they scrambled back down. And then he was unconscious, and he woke up a few days later, and now here he was on the other side of the mountain, the unexplored side that they'd never been, nobody's ever like found, and now he's stuck all by himself. So he wanders around, and he, he, he kind of heals himself because he's pretty you know, intuitive. And, and then he's wandering around and uh, living off the land and berries and you know, shooting you know, wild deer with the bow and arrow that he made or whatever. And uh, whatever, I'm probably embellishing a little bit. But anyway, so he's living <laughs> off the land, and um, he's walking and walking, and just days and days walking, not just being completely alone. And one day, in the way in the distance, he goes, oh my God, there's a village. I see a, a village, uh, this remote village, uh, isolated in this huge valley that's probably completely undiscovered. So he's so excited, so he, he takes him a few more days, and he actually gets to the village. And as he's approaching the village, he realizes something very different, which was that every person in the village had no eyes. And not only that they had no eyes, they also had no eyes. It was like completely blank right over here. And he's like, holy cow, what happened to them? But he was so excited for you know, human companionship that he didn't care, so he came running over to these people, and he introduced himself, and he said, you know, hi, my name is Joe, and you know, I'm actually from the other side of the mountains, and I, I got trapped in here after a, a mountain accident, and I'm just so excited to be here, and you know, can you guys help me? I've been like living on berries and whatever, you know, for, and, and of course, you know, come on in. But um, then some people started like, the way they, they, you, they, would, they would greet someone is they would put, everybody would greet them by putting their hand like this because most people had a very flat head. So they greeted him like this and like, <gasps> like what happened to your face? Right, because he had eyes, you know, and, and eye sockets and they had no idea what that was. And he's like, oh, well, these are my eyes and I see things with my eyes. And they're like, what do you mean you see things? Like, what does that mean? They didn't have a word. Like, that wasn't even in their 
in their language, you know, to see things. And he's like, well, you know, what you, you see the, the mountains in the distance and the clouds in the air and the stars in the sky. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? There's no mountains. There's no clouds. There's just like a, a rock ceiling above us, you know. And there's no stars in the sky. There's, there's no light whatsoever. Like, we don't know what on earth you're talking about. Because they lived in a completely different, you know, kind of paradigm than, than he did. And um, so he uh, obviously was causing a bit of commotion in the community because he was telling people all these fantabulous stories and nobody was getting what he was talking about. So um, he was kind of being shunned, you know. And, uh, but he didn't want to leave companionship, so he decided to stay there. And he just said, okay, I'll just shut up. You know, I won't talk about this kind of stuff. I'll just, you know, as he would say, be tolerated in the Valley of the Blind. So he was there for quite a while, and uh, he happened to start talking to this uh, one particular girl who was there who was uh, unmarried. And the main reason she was unmarried is because she had, uh, like, vestigial eyes. So she, didn't, she was the only person in the whole village who wasn't just completely flat you know, over here. She's had eyebrows and like little indentations. So the villagers th didn't think that she was like the typical person there. So she was usually kind of shunned too. So the two of them kind of got together. Uh, and after a while, uh, he decided to ask uh, his father, her father, for her hand in marriage. And he said, absolutely, you can marry my daughter. Uh, but one condition, you have to pull those things out of your head. Because those things are causing problems. And if you have kids, you know, it's going to cause all kinds. So you just have, you have to be like the rest of us, and we have surgeons that can take care of it and stuff like that. So he consents because he's so lonely. He says, okay, fine, you know, I'll do this. Um, and then uh, it comes the day of the wedding, and it's the morning, it's the morning of the wedding, and he, um, he takes a walk. He tells his fiance, I'm going to take a walk because I just want to kind of look at everything one last time. So he's walking, he sees the beautiful mountains and the valleys and the, and the sun and the river and stream and he sees all these different things and as he, he keeps on walking and walking and eventually he just walks away from the village altogether and just goes in the opposite direction where he came from and he said I am not going to sacrifice my vision of you know everything that I could see to pull out my eyes I can't do it and then he just keeps on walking and that's the end of the story so Reggie says with his you know uh, infamous kind of twists of these things he said this is a story about chiropractic. Because we're trying to be tolerated in the valley of the blind. Right? Most chiropractors and most you know, medical personnel think a very, very, very different way than we do. And when you talk to someone who does not understand this, it's almost like you, know, you having eyes. And he would say, you, know, it, every, you may have the eyesight of a hawk, but the vision of a clam. Right? So you might be able to see really, really far away, like in terms of your actual vision, but you really can't see anything at all because your vision, you know, your mission, your purpose is so narrow and so focused on what he was talking about, back pain. He was like, I don't know about what's going to happen with back pain. Right? Um, and he said, uh, we chiropractors you know, are just trying to be tolerated in the valley of the blind. And this is, you know, he passed away a few years ago, so it was before all this hubbub started, but this whole idea of like bringing drugs into our profession. Like that's that's the blind, you know, was, I'm, not, I'm not dissing people who are blind, so let's not misinterpret. This is just a story, right? So please don't misinterpret what I'm saying, because uh, people do have a tendency to do that sometimes. So we're using a metaphor. This is a metaphor, right? 
Okay, do you understand metaphors? Good. Yeah. So, so the metaphor of the, the the other part, the other part of the profession is blind to this thing, and they think, well, the reason that we are doing so poorly after 120 years is because we need we need the credentials and we need the the, the, the authority, and if we give drugs, we'll have more authority. And I look at that and say to myself, that's the vision. There's no vision in that, right? The the vision is 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 looking at the at what's crystal clear, which is people are subluxated and dying, and it's not because of a lack of a drug. If drugs worked, then there'd be no need for chiropractic. Did you ever think about that? If drugs worked, then chiropractic would have been dead a long time ago. So drugs don't work. Now, from here, you know, listen, you're having a heart attack, different story. You need to have anesthesia. Um, we're not talking about that, right? You're, you're getting your Novocaine. Your, that's, we're not talking about that, you know? So in that sense, drugs, fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for the typical, the typical person, you know, drugs don't work. Because if, if drugs work for ADHD, then I wouldn't be going around the country talking about kids with ADHD, right? If drugs work for autism, then it would be cured and nobody would be... It wouldn't have gone from 1 in 10,000 when I was a kid to 1 in 68 now. Drugs don't work. Now, it's great for crisis, great for emergency, but for the long-term chronic kind of thing, except for like diabetes or whatever, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but except for things like that, it does, it's really it doesn't work. Right? We, I look at a beautiful little boy like, what's his name? Max. Max. Max is gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's the kind of kid who should be on the cover. <laughs> does he know it? Does he know it? <laughs> he is gorgeous, right? Look at the. I look at that, and you know what I see? I see the 33 principles right there. That's what I see. When I see a little boy like Max here, I see the 33 principles, and I see living proof that there's a universal intelligence, and living proof that there's innate intelligence. Because if there wasn't, then he couldn't be here, right? It, it, this, he's a little miracle, and all of the babies that we see are little miracles and little proof of, as BJ would say, a living God within us, right? Of above, down, inside, out working. And when I see a little boy like this, I don't see the need to throw all kinds of drugs into him. I don't see if, if he had ear infections that he needs amoxicillin. I don't see if he had ADHD that he needs Ritalin. I don't see if he was depressed and he needs Prozac. I don't see that if he had autism, he needs lithium. I don't see any of this kind of stuff. Right? I don't see it, because there's a different vision. And we can re really easily get caught into the other vision. And I'll tell you how you get caught into the other vision. Don't talk about what chiropractic is. That's how you get caught in the other vision. If you try to sell something that chiropractic isn't, then you'll be stuck where you don't want to be. And a lot of you guys are graduating really, really soon, and it's going to be really, really easy for you to be lured to say, you know what, i got 200 grand in student loans, i got to pay them back. I'll sure make a heck of a lot more money if I start doing, you know, uh, manipulation under anesthesia that this friend of mine told me about. I can get $2,000 in adjustment. That sounds like a good way for me to pay back my loans. And I'll just do it until I pay back my loans. Or I'll just, you know, I'll just go to a state where they prescribe drugs and I'll just do that stuff until I pay back my loans. Right? I hear this all the time. And I watch people crash and burn over and over and over again because you can't, if you have the principle and you act against the principle, then you're going to feel it. And you can't sell something you don't own. You can't sell something you don't own. So, and here's another thing that is 
very relevant that Reggie would ask all the time, how often do you get adjusted? And I don't mean like you pass somebody in the hallway and say, hey, Randy, you got a second to adjust, adjust over here? Right? That's not an adjustment. Not that, you know, that isn't an, something. But I'm saying like regular care. How often do you get regular care? Right? If it is like whenever I get a chance, then how are you going to sell that to someone else? You don't own it. That's not owning it. If you're not getting once a week adjustments minimum for your whole life, every single week, then you're not owning chiropractic, in my opinion. Right? Or once every other week, whatever your care plan is for you. Right? If it's a haphazard sort of a once in a while crapshoot kind of whoever I happen to grab off the street, you mean adjustment kind of thing, that's not owning it. To own it, you better make sure you get adjusted on a regular basis. I get adjusted once or twice a week, every single week by my interns, every single week for years and years and years. Before that, I would close my office hours early to find a chiropractor to get adjusted. Because I will not sacrifice my health. And if, if, if it, it's got to be uncomfortable, right? You've got to make it uncomfortable. Right, for now, it's easy for me because I have interns. But before I interns, I made it very uncomfortable so that I would close early because I had to get adjusted. There will be no week that goes by without getting adjusted. The only one time I have not gotten adjusted in a, more than a week period of time was when my wife and I were in Hawaii for our honeymoon back in 1991. And every chiropractor we happened to pass during that honeymoon time was closed, which they were probably all surfing or something. <laughs> uh, but other than that, every single week for my entire... Since I've become a chiropractor, I've been adjusted at least once a week. And that's what Reggie said. He said, whenever your care plan is, you better stick to it. You better stick to it. Because you want somebody else to stick to it, you better stick to it. Because if someone says to you, how long was less than you adjusted? And you're like, uh, uh, is a bad answer. Right? If you have to think about it, uh, mm, what day is it today? Right? And you should say, last week. Last week. It should be like a knee jerk reaction. Last week, that's when it was. You know, and Reggie, one of my favorite sayings that Reggie used to always say is, um, and I say this to patients all the time, is because they'll always ask, especially in the early stages of care, someone's kind of new at care, or someone's new under your care, but they've been in the care for years, but they never really got it. They never really understood what chiropractic is. And I'll say to them, it's far better to be without a subluxation than it is to be with one. And that's his quote. It's far better to live without a subluxation than it is to live with, to, to live with one. So if you really like Reggie's stuff, he has a website where you can still get his products. I highly recommend that you listen to his stuff. He's got two different um, uh, audio series. I don't know if it's available on MP3 yet. I know they're working on it. Um, uh, but I know it's certainly available on CD, but if some of you guys have CD players still, um, <laughs> you can listen to it. Uh, there's two different sets that are my favorites that I listen to incessantly. Um, one is on, one's his philosophy, there's like 12, well I have them in cassettes, uh, 12 uh, cassettes on philosophy, and, and then another 12 cassettes on the application of the philosophy. Have you ever seen those before? Should I put up a, a picture of those? I'll tell you, 20 years, I'll have to put up a picture of what those things are. A cassette? Um, so, um, but, I, but I know eventually they'll be on MP3, but they're not you know, there yet. He actually has, if you Google it, he has a lot of MP3. Um, there's been a lot of interviews with him towards the end of his life. A lot of people started interviewing him, so there's a number of interviews on podcasts uh, with Reggie that are very interesting, although he didn't have the same spunk, obviously, because he was getting close to his passing. Uh, but they're still extremely valuable you know, things. So um, so he's, a, he's another one. You just, these are the top four masters you've heard now 
in four weeks. You know, it's Sid, Sigafoos, Santo, and Reggie. These were like the four masters that I had a very big privilege to be able to speak to, listen to, sit at their feet, and really understand. Um, so I highly encourage you to, to check him out. And by the way, this particular uh, letter N thing, when uh, I was new in this, I was at this speech, this uh, talk, by the way, in Strasburg, Pennsylvania, um, and I bought the letter N uh, flip chart, because that's how we used to do talks back then. So I had a letter N flip chart. Uh, back, this is before PowerPoint and the transparencies and stuff. Um, so I had a letter N flip chart, and um, when we moved from New Jersey here, I don't know what happened to it. There was a lost box of stuff that the shipping company never brought down to it, and I think this was in it, so it's a shame. Is this someone's computer, by the way, up front here? Okay.